Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot, the tennis podcast by fans. I'm Joel. I'm Kim. And today we are launching a brand new series of the podcast called The Film Club, where we review famous tennis movies. And of course, where are we beginning? We're starting with Wimbledon. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. everyone welcome as i said to a brand new series of the show we're calling it the film club and we're going to be giving tennis related films the passing shot treatment yes joel and to kick us off as it is wimbledon fortnight we are obviously going to be starting with surprise surprise wimbledon um which is everyone's favorite british rom-com uh, from the <laughs> noughties is it not i mean it's right up there with, I don't know, the Notting Hills and the Four Weddings and the Funerals of the World, clearly. Um, but no, no, I, it's completely not. Um, it's got, it has got some good names in though. Sam Neill, Kirsten Dunst, Paul Bettany, you know, and the storyline, which we'll go on to in a bit. You know, you've got a kind of journeyman tennis pro who's on his last hurrah, suddenly getting through to the Wimbledon final and falling in love with an up and coming kind of American player with a pushy dad. Uh, what more could you want? And as the tagline says, Joel, she's the golden girl. He's the long shot. It's a match made in Wimbledon. I think that kind of sums it up. <laughs> you've sold you've sold it to me. I mean, I've seen it like a million times before, but yeah, you've still, you've still sold it to me. And uh, I hope our listeners are sold as well. I don't know if any of our listeners have, have seen it. But um, yeah, before we get started, of course, if you want to watch Wimbledon, go for it. Um, For UK listeners, it is available now on Netflix. So even though Wimbledon live tennis is not on the telly, you can get your, you can get your Wimbledon fix. You get your Paul Bettany fix um, on, uh, yeah, on Netflix. Um, And just another thing, of course, you probably already know, this is not meant to be a super serious assessment of Wimbledon. We are not we are not filmmakers. We are not directors. We're just giving this the passing shot treatment, which I guess, I mean, it's basically looking at this film through the lens of tennis fans and thinking, does this, does Wimbledon, does it stack up? How does it stack up to like the actual realities, the actual realities of tennis? I suppose, Joel, for me, the most impressive thing was maybe that, you know, it is filmed at Wimbledon. So they were given access to the All England Club to kind of go and film several of the of the scenes, obviously, there. But that also kind of lends itself to some of the inaccuracies, because (laughs) pretty much all of Peter Colt, who is the 
protagonist of the film, the the main player, all of his matches, except for the final, take place on an outside court. And okay, in the film, he is ranked 119th in the world. But, you know, you'd expect, wouldn't you, from like the fourth round onwards, especially as a British player, that he would be Mm. on centre court. But that must have been because the club wouldn't let them, uh, you know, use the actual main courts too much when filming. I mean, I love the fact that there's there's multiple like actual tennis tournaments uh, in the in the film because they start at uh, at Monte Carlo. So, mm, you know, they start do. in the clay court season, which I, I give, you know, give them kudos to. And then then he go. There's a scene at kind of Stoke Park where uh, the Boodles challenge is the Boodles challenge is played, which is a, a Wimbledon kind of tune up event. So they've got some, yeah, they've got some events going on. But yeah, I think it's quite funny. You know, when you talk about Wimbledon, they have like the semi final on the outside court but of course Kim you know we only got to think back to Roland Garros like if you know what was it a few years ago where you know Conta's semi-final was played on played on one of the outside courts so uh it does it can happen it can and this film obviously predicted that it was going to happen and then made it legitimate <laughs> so the Roland Garros organizers thought well if they did it in Wimbledon the film back in 2004 why not let's do it now um no i mean yeah to be fair like it's great that they got access um I guess it lends it some legitimacy because as we'll kind of discuss in a bit, there are several other inaccuracies. Um, But just to give kind of the gist of the film, if anyone hasn't seen it, basically um, Peter Cole is um, kind of on his last leg. He kind of is announcing his retirement. It's going to be his final Wimbledon. He's down at 119 in the world um, and he's playing obviously in his home tournament, not expecting to do anything. Um, And he goes on this sort of ridiculous run of form and, uh, yeah, ends up, well, winning Wimbledon, as you do. Spoiler um, alert. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's been out for 15 years. Yeah, if you don't know it by now, then it's too late. Um, but, you know, the real reason um, that he won, obviously, because he fell in love with Lizzie Bradbury, who is kind of... I don't know who they based her on in real life, but in my mind, I was picturing her as a bit of a, like, Maria Sharapova kind of, like, She's quite determined, but she's got kind of like mm. a bit of a pushy dad, but she kind of is a free spirit at the same time. She's quite um, fiery on the tennis court, isn't yeah. she? She's quite like... Yeah, she's got a bit of an know. attitude about her. Mm. But obviously she is like the, the thing that makes the difference for Peter Cole and their love like propels him on to win. Um, I mean, wouldn't this be nice if this happened, you know, at every tennis tournament going and everyone just fell in love and started winning. That would be amazing. Um, I know. And I love the fact that, you know, central, like central to their relationship, of course, were the dates that, you know, you can just fit in during the the two weeks of the championship. And uh, I love during the film that um, they have this, they have this conversation around like fish and chips and, uh, Peter Colt brings up like fish and chips to her room and I'm like is fish and chips really going to be like in the diet of an elite an elite level athlete like an athlete you know looking for their you know looking for a grand slam title are they really going to be like oh yeah I'm going to have you know I'll have something from the local chippy the, the night before Lots of stodge and, I don't know, greasy kind of like stuff that's going to settle on your stomach. Yeah, and I'm sure that they're drinking as well. I'm sure they have like a bottle of wine um, in the hotel room. So, yeah, that's that's kind of an inaccuracy. Um, I also love the fact that in a rain delay, they go off and have sushi. Uh, they go off for a quick little rain delay uh, date at a sushi bar 
which, you know, in reality, the players would just be like hanging around the site and they wouldn't just get in a car and drive off and have sushi. Would they? I mean, maybe players do. We don't know that for a fact, Kim. I think it's, I mean, personally, I think it's pretty badass to be like, oh, rain delay. I'm just going to go pop off and, and have a date. Um, but but I mean, yeah, I feel like I'd, I'd like to think that's the reality, but it's, yeah, it probably definitely isn't. And yeah, but hey, at least they got, they got the rain spot on, didn't they? Well, they did. Yeah. I mean, you can't have a bit of Wimbledon without rain and it even <laughs> rains in the final. Um, and obviously this is way before the roof ever em- emerged. So, um, I mean, you can't have a classic Wimbledon final without a rain delay, can you? Um, that, that had to happen. Well, um, I think the rain delay is almost kind of a very pivotal, you know, it comes at a very pivotal point in the film. And you've, you've got to think, Kim, if, you know, if this film was made nowadays with centre court with a roof on, um, would 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 Peter Colt have won the championship? Because you know he was he was kind of like you know he was definitely uh, you know not in the ascendancy uh, pre rain delay, and uh, yeah, he almost he had that pick me up, didn't he? Uh, during 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 the rain delay. Yeah, so Lizzie has gone off to the airport to fly back uh, to America. I assume <laughs> she reached the semis of Wimbledon um, and lost, so she's on her way back, and then. Peter Colt does this, you know, emotional public declaration on like his pre-match interview about how, you know, he's only in the final because of her. And she's watching this at the airport and her dad's like, go, like rush back. And so she suddenly appears in the dressing room, as you do, to give him a pep talk. And then she's, you know, watching, watching along. And, you know, that obviously propels him to get over the finish line. Um, Although the guy he plays in the final, Jake Hammond, um, he's... (sighs) I wonder who they based him on um, as well, because, I mean, if I was going to say who he was, like, from kind of contemporary players, I would say he was a bit of a Milos Raonic, maybe Zverev, like, m- mashup. Um, he he has a pretty big... Su- he has a pretty big serve and yeah. I, I love the fact they gave him some like they made sure to give him some credibility because on his route to the final he did beat Roger Federer and Leighton <laughs> Hewitt as, as, you, as you do. I wish they'd put Federer in this film like okay they might not have obviously been able to get him but I think they would have it would have been great to have like a um, a body double for Federer or something um, although maybe his management like said no or I don't know. But anyway, there is actually a guy who goes around Wimbledon that looks like Roger Federer um, and tries to get into the site. Yeah, it is. Um, And I think the security have to look out for him because there's some guy that like genuinely does look very similar and he's tried to kind of gain access. (laughs) Um, I mean, (laughs) this could be an old wives tale, but. All I will add as well is with Jake Hammond is I love in the like in the middle of the tournament, him and. Uh, Peter Colt have a have a little confrontation uh, on like the is it on the London, the London is it on eye. the London Eye yes I mean, as again again as you do like just have a casual party um, you know midweek but doesn't like Peter Colt end up like punching him and you know I just think it's again <laughs> I just think it's quite funny that like there's like fisticuffs like on the ATP tour we're we're talking at the moment about I don't know like Sasha Zverev going out partying when he shouldn't be and he should be in isolation. <laughs> yeah. But obviously in in this film they're going out yeah like going to like a soiree and going up the London Eye and going down to Brighton uh, on Middle Sunday and doing all sorts of things that like an elite athlete who was focused on actually winning would probably not be doing. Um, 
But hey, this is a Hollywood film. Well, actually, it's not a Hollywood film. It's probably a <laughs> Pinewood Studios film or something. But you know what I, I mean, mean. Kim, is it not? Does it not be? Is it not more of a message of like, yes, you might be getting through to the final, but you know, love is more important than that, and therefore. You know, for in, in Peter's eyes, that means right. Middle Sunday, I'm not kind of focused on my you know fourth round match or you know second week. I'm going to go down to Brighton and and go on a, a third date and hope to get to fourth base with Lizzie Bradbury. <laughs> fourth base? What are we in like high school or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, I get your point. Maybe I'm just not a very romantic person. But for me, this film didn't really have much romance. Like the kind of relationship between them, it just kind of developed quite quickly. Like it's a very short film. It doesn't last very long. And for me, I, I need more of a build up. I need more tension. Um, they they were kind of just, I don't know. I just didn't feel myself like compelled or drawn into their kind of emotional mm. uh, understanding of each other. So from a critical perspective, I would say it doesn't really tick the, the romance aspect for me. Um, I mean, it is, it is, it's nice, but it's not, it wasn't like I'm going to cry at their love for each other. Well, I feel like one bo- tick box that they did tick successfully was, I think, quite hilariously and probably inadvertently as well, was uh, James McAvoy plays Peter Colt, uh, Peter Colt's brother, I think, in the film. And he's forever like gambling and betting on, uh, on matches involving uh, his brother. And we all know, you know, I know we all know sort of like tennis's kind of checkered past, checkered present even with with betting. And uh, I just thought it was kind of funny that uh, that was like a, a sub a sub storyline in the, in the film. Yeah, it does, it's not a very good advert, is it, for like <laughs> you know not betting in sport? And also, he, his brother is um, seems to always be wearing like a yellow jersey, like as if he's winning the Tour de France or something. I, I don't know if he's like trying to be a elite cyclist or something but he's sort of dancing around like a I don't know Lance Armstrong or something and also Joel I mean I'd completely forgotten that James McAvoy was in the film um but you said when we were watching this last night you said um you you questioned whether James McAvoy's career well was <laughs> inferior to Paul Bettany's which I would have to disagree oh, yeah, well I guess James he was in X-Men wasn't he he's been in X-Men hasn't he, he was, was in, in Atonement um, he was in Starter for 10 about University oh, Challenge. Of course. Oh, Amazing I love a good film. quiz. Qu- yeah. A quiz rom-com. I mean, that, uh, I, what I mean, more could you want? <laughs> I mean, of, of sort of like quintessential British rom-coms. I mean, we've got University Challenge, uh, Starter <laughs> for 10. We've got Wimbledon uh, with the championships. What it, Do you think is Starter for 10 uh, the more, is that the superior one, do you think? It's probably more of an intellectual one. This is probably more of a pandering to american to americans yeah i don't want to say trashy but it's probably giving off such a stereotypical like british um flavor to tennis i mean it is really like well i wouldn't say british even i would say it's very very english um Mm. i mean even you know the characters like his his parents as well um I mean, his dad's, well, that's another actually sub subplot to this. His parents who haven't got on for years, they kind of fall back in love with each other through Peter winning Wimbledon. So that's another, you know, romance in in the film. Um, But I mean, it does showcase, you know, British landmarks as well. Because as you said, we've got the London Eye. Yeah. 
We've got the Dorchester Hotel, which Lizzie uh, is staying in. Well, and Peter's staying there as well, because um, actually that's how they meet. He's given the room key to her room by mistake. They say he's ranked 119th in the world. He's staying at the, <laughs> the Dorchester. At the Dorchester. Yeah. I mean, I've heard I mean, in real times, I've, I, I get all the sense that, you know, we're not looking after players uh, like lower ranked in the in the tour. But uh if if the 119th in the world can you know stay at the Dorchester, well, also he's driving around a lot in a nice little vintage sports car. So I mean, he's obviously from money. Like his his parents yeah. are living in this nice like house down in Sussex, and he, you know he has won two titles apparently on the ATP tour. And at one point he was much higher ranked. So, but he isn't so well off because he remember at the start he got off he gets offered the uh, the coaching job at the. Uh, um, at Stoke Park so he oh, feels yeah. like he does have to still have a you know a job after his uh a, a job after his uh his career that is true so okay questionable about his circumstances um but yeah like they do showcase England you know quite well They've, they go down to Brighton they go on the pier um you see some lovely shots the abandoned tennis court with the random dodgem cars on it oh yeah that is quite that was quite random, actually. I don't. I don't think in Brighton there there's an abandoned tennis court with dodgems. I think they were trying to go for like sort of sort of a, a grunge vibe or something there. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I thought they were just trying to give like a really edgy social commentary on grassroots tennis uh, oh. in the in the UK. No, I'm, j- I'm joking. Or how far Lizzie <laughs> had fallen by you know falling into the hands of this lowly ranked British person. Um, but yes, it is very quintessential, uh, you know, and I think it's it must portray, yeah, to people who haven't maybe been to Wimbledon, I guess it is quite a, I mean, is, would you say it's an accurate reflection, like all the crowd scenes and the, and the match scenes, mm. like, would you say that you felt like you were actually there? Actually, I feel like they took quintessential Britishness, like, too far in the film, because uh, in the Wimbledon scenes, when um, you know the tennis matches are being played, I'm sure people who've watched the film have, have you know have noted that there are flags in the crowd. And as a fan, I was pretty sure that you were not allowed uh, flags in at Wimbledon. And I again, I thought that was a bit of a. I I didn't. I don't know if you. I don't know if that would actually be allowed in in like in reality. I don't think it is because the flags that they had in the film were on like sticks, which mm. I think Wimbledon view as like just getting in the way. So they they don't allow you're allowed, I think, a small size, but not on a stick. Um, so, yeah, that's that's inaccurate. And I know I've said this before <laughs> on the pod, but my friend like we, we, you know, we were trying to bring a Spanish flag into Wimbledon. So she made it into a dress so she could wear it in as a way around <laughs> their flag rules. That's I just, how they should have, that's they how they should have, have been that. in the crowd. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I thought the, the crowd, I thought it was, I think it captured like the drama of, of the matches, like all the oohs and ahs and gasps of the crowd quite well. Um, but I don't think the film really features and maybe enough actual tennis but then i suppose it's not really aimed at proper tennis fans it's aimed at a generalist audience isn't it um so they probably don't want to feature too much what do you make of the the tennis scenes because i i think ten, tennis players were involved weren't they but what what do you make of yeah what do you make of it was it did you feel it was a bit like cgi like special effects or do you think it looked realistic? Apparently the actors like used real tennis balls when they were serving, but then all of the other balls were added in, I guess, like digitally, digitally to make it appear like 
they were kind of actually playing. And then I know they use body doubles for, um, I guess, most of the action. Um, Joel, do you know who who was Paul Bettany's body double? Ooh. Can you um, remember? I mean, it's. I don't know if they... I suppose he would be in the credits, but I think a lot of people may not realise this. But he's I'm, a current, current uh, player. Current player. Mm, I feel like it's a British... I feel like it's a British player... Maybe needed it. Maybe needed some money at the time. Um, Think similar kind this, of hair. Who would look similar to Paul Bettany? Um, was it? I think it was. Was it Dom Inglot? It was. Yeah. <laughs> who obviously is still still going, still playing. Uh, British doubles player. So yeah, I wonder how much he got for doing that, um, and whether he he enjoyed his experience. Well. Maybe we should reach out to him and get him to <laughs> to come on. But they also had other players um, on the set to to help out. They had um, Alan Jones, who played Tom Cavendish, who in the film um, was like, like a Tim Henman sort like, of yeah, style. Like top British player who actually might have had a chance <laughs> yeah. to win. Uh, who Most Peter British name ever, Tom Cavendish. <laughs> yeah. And then the other names for the real tennis players, I, I personally don't know. I've never heard of them. Murphy Jensen and Betty Sekolovsky um, and Vikas Puna. I, I mean, this is from the Wikipedia page. I don't know who any of these players are, but they must have been around at that time and needed some work. Um, so they were the doubles for for a lot of the other players or they were the players themselves but we also had i mean to lend credibility to the film they did have um some you know ex-pros doing the commentary because john McEnroe features along with with chris ever and i actually think there's a hilarious scene where john McEnroe's on the tv and absolutely like slating peter colt's chances um you know left right and center then uh yeah uh lizzie bradbury kirsten dunce just uh uh, let gives gives a gives her opinion on on John on John McEnroe um, in a in a with a, with one word which I think was quite which is I think was quite funny because I feel like you know John McEnroe is very uh, you know is very marmite um, in real life and uh, it's just funny Lizzie Bradbury just kind of just like saying what I guess some some of the the people watching would have been would have been thinking. But it's too rude to repeat on here, Joel. So well, I don't um, want to give us an explicit rate. Exactly, they have to go and on... watch it themselves, uh, <laughs> listeners. You have to go and see what Lizzie says to McEnroe. Um, but yeah, also Pat Cash uh, apparently was the advisor on the set who trained um, the actors in terms of, I guess, basic strokes. I mean, I don't know if Paul Bettany mm. has played much tennis in his life, but obviously he was having to do some of the action himself so yeah they had pat cash involved i was going to just going to add to that and, and a couple of other things i noted in terms of like kind of tennis accuracies i love the fact that um again britishness what what brand is is peter colt playing in playing in fred perry and you know in this like alternate universe where you know they haven't had a wimbledon champion in what you would assume since Sorry, British Wimbledon champion since uh, since Fred Perry. You know the pressure that Peter Colt would have been feeling. The fact that a he male, was wearing Fred, a male Fred Perry as well. Sorry, a male champion. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, it's weird because Andy would have been kind of coming out around this time, wouldn't he? So, but this film was sort of slightly pre Andy Murray. So, yeah, I'd say so, um, yeah. kind of foreshadows what was going to happen. Um, and Lizzie Bradbury as well was wearing was wearing Puma, which. I did. 
when was Puma's heyday in like the tennis world? I know Venus, I swear Venus Williams used to wear a bit of Puma. I think um, Serena did as well. Or maybe it was Serena, not Venus. But, not um, sure. you know, it felt like like Lizzie Bradbury was like Puma's last hopes in, in the tennis world. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, thing is, at the end, they do say that she goes on to win uh, Wimbledon twice or, or no, she does the career Grand Slam twice. Oh, she's Is very right? successful. I, thought, she, I okay. think she, she at least wins something. She twice. goes to wins the, the US. She goes on to win the US Open. I think is oh, what okay. they say oh, in right. like the epilogue. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, well, uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, yeah. I think another thing about the film is we've we spoke about James McAvoy, but there are actually quite a few like famous other famous actors in it. As you said, Sam Neill's in it, who of course was in Jurassic Park. Um, Celia Imri. Oh well. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone knows who she is, Kim. Oh, she's in like every like classic British film going. She plays like a middle class woman who drinks tea, and you know the usual. <laughs> the classic, the classic. And Robert Lindsay. You know, um, he's in my family and lots of other things. He's he's a very popular actor Kim, i'm talking i'm talking way more oh. global than that i'm talking about <laughs> jamie lannister Who in game he? of thrones oh i don't do That's game of peter thrones Cox, <laughs> peter Cox's hitting partner and i think his third round opponent game of thrones is so like not in my sphere of knowledge whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> well he turns up he has a little bit of a he has a little bit of a a part in in the film and um, this is way before obviously way before he hit the big time as um uh, as Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones, and but also you have as the the kind of the slimy sports agent. I guess that the, the eagle eyed uh, viewers among you, listeners among you, uh, John Favreau. Who, if you you might be thinking, you might be looking at his face, thinking, where where have I seen him before? And you might recall he was in Friends because I believe he was Monica's uh, boyfriend, Pete. Uh, who the one who did like the ultimate fighting championship uh, for himself? Uh, yeah, and, and kind of kind of uh, guest starred in, in a few episodes, and I think he went on to become like a pretty successful director because I think he did like Iron Man uh, more recently. But anyway, he turns he turns up in the film. Well, Joel, I, to be fair, I got more excited about at seeing um, someone who used to play the pathologist in Midsummer Murders. Um, <laughs> he. He was in the like dressing room, the locker room at Wimbledon, sort of, I think he's like head honcho of the dressing rooms for the players. Um, that, that was more my, my TV and film okay. wavelength rather than Friends and Game of Thrones. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you got excited by literally like the two second appearance of the presenter of Eggheads, uh, which is a <laughs> British, British quiz show. Uh, I, I can't remember what his name is, but Alexander he turns Armstrong. up literally. Uh, yeah. No, Egg, is that Pointless? Oh, no, I was thinking, oh, why did I think Pointless? Um, I think that's Pointless. Jeremy Vine Egg, presents Egg, Eggheads. Was it, is Jeremy, it Jeremy Vine? Vine? Oh, I don't know. Is it Jeremy? Oh, I if can't remember. Oh, maybe I, I probably missed it. <laughs> yeah, he's the BBC news presenter. Anyway, I, th- oh. it's, I think it's a quiz. I think it's a quiz presenter. I could okay. be completely wrong now. It's not. But, um, anyway, John Humphreys from Mastermind. No, no, oh, no, okay. no, no, no. That's right. not, no. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just think it's, <laughs> I just think it's quite. It's quite funny just watching a film from fifteen years ago and thinking, oh, that person, that that famous person's in it. 
Yeah, because obviously they weren't famous then and now they are or they, you know, were really big then and now they're not. And it's like a flashback. And also it just looks mm. a bit dated, doesn't it? I know this is like 16 years ago, <laughs> but it still it does look kind of retro. Don't go hate on the Sugar Babes like lead soundtrack. <laughs> I love a bit of Sugar Babes. I mean, that push the button. I mean, you can't. Yeah. What a better pop song moment. than that. Caught in a Moment is a, a great tune. Who Lost um, in You? Well, that's in Bridget Jones, that one, actually. Yeah. Um, it did give me a bit of, you know, the Bridget Jones kind of vibe, because I'm sure they would have been coming out around the same sort of time. So this was like peak mm. era for the British rom-coms. I mean, it would have been great if Hugh Grant had done a cameo in this. Um, or even better, he could have He probably played. was in like the Royal Box. Yeah, could have could have done. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that would have been great. You can't beat Hugh Grant rom-com. But, um... <laughs> so, Kim, uh, I know also this came up on our WhatsApp thread last night when we were kind of live tweeting the, the film. You suggested, are Peter and Lizzie, are they the new, are they like the gem's life of like the Wimbledon, of the Wimbledon film? Are they, well, probably are they like the gem's only... life material? Well, I, I suppose if social networks had been around then, or like Instagram <laughs> had been around then, maybe they would have been. But then I don't think they have a catchy kind of moniker, do they? Like, what would it be? P- PC, PCLB? PLCB? No, PLCB. That that doesn't quite yeah. have the same ring to they it. They need does a it? vowel in there somewhere, don't they? Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, P-E... Pelly? Uh, Peter and uh, Elizabeth who Pelly? Knows? I don't know. But... um. Yeah, and also, Joel, we should say that this film, a lot of people, uh, including some of our listeners, probably think this is like sort of a rubbish film. Um, It hasn't got a great rating, has it, like from the critics? Um, I think Rotten Tomatoes, do you want to guess what percentage they've given it? What did it get a fresh rating? I think that is the big question. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to go right down the middle, 50%. Oh, no, uh, a bit higher. It's 61%. So, um, you know, room for improvement, but not too shabby. <laughs> uh, I guess it'll be like the fourth round of film reviews, I suppose. But yeah, I, I think the critics consensus, which actually I think I fairly agree with, um, a predictable bland rom-com, but Bethany proves to be an appealing <laughs> lead. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment. I think he's a very likable character. But I, for me, yeah, the, it lacks the energy of a of a real kind of. It's not like for me, it's not really funny and it's not really romantic. So it's quite lackluster as a whole entity. Yeah, because Bethany got a, quite a few good sort of plaudits for it. Because yeah, the BBC said a join the dots romantic comedy. Wimbledon is worth watching for the magnetism of of Paul Bettany. Um, so I don't know if I mean he does look. I think he does look the part actually as a, a tennis like professional he's pre- it's pretty believable isn't it yeah he's got like sort of the right figure and he carries himself mm. very well um and you know he is sort of it really does showcase i guess like i don't know the the typical like rich middle class like white english tennis space that we have um <laughs> you know I mean, it does reflect reality in that sense uh and i mean my favorite review is the rolling stone uh because it says there's no script to speak of, just two appealing <laughs> actors volleying comic romantic cliches at each other. Um, so they, they I mean, even yeah. the script, that's like our podcast, there's there's no script to speak of. 
So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's hope our pods are more noteworthy with critics than the film. <laughs> Yeah, because I like I well, I mean, like yeah, it feels a little. I mean, it's a, obviously it's, it's surely it's got a script, but yeah, I think like it plays off of you know the t- the main the main sort of you know romance between you know Lizzie Bradbury, Peter Cole, Paul Bettany, Kirsten Dunst, and like Wimbledon is the backdrop. I think the the for me the kind of fall down bit is like reality is like over two weeks i know this is meant to be like some sort of whirlwind romance that then you know ends up with them like having kids in the future um but like for that to take that to take place over two weeks with tennis going like the with the fact that you're both in like singles tournaments oh it just doesn't feel like it's like it doesn't feel like it could be uh like plausible well, Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf fell in love. Well, uh, true. They yeah. danced at the Wimbledon ball. You know, I mean, maybe these things do happen, but it probably would build up over a longer period of time. And they probably would have kind of met already, like on the tour somewhere at a joint event, like, I don't know, the Indian Wells or something. But I mean, <laughs> Joel, there's room for like a sequel. Like, maybe they could do something <laughs> like nowadays, uh, you know, once coronavirus is over and like they make it more realistic entity. I would love to see a prequel, actually, Kim. I want to see when Peter Colt was at like number 11th in the world. Uh, I want to see his heyday. I want to see his heyday before he becomes like a a washed up journeyman like like trying you know fighting for himself on the tour so i'd love to see maybe yeah a prequel of him like gallivanting the tour not just wimbledon but um you know like the full tour and just kind of you know going about from place to place as like the 11th in the world i think that'd be quite fun or we could just you know make a documentary about a top player we could ju- i people should just go and watch andy murray resurfacing or <laughs> Or another film. No, I mean, this is like perfect. This is perfect <laughs> escapism for like a cup, an hour and a half, or yeah, yeah or, or it's not even an hour and a half. Is. Actually, it's quite a short film. Is it not? But well, yeah, it, I think... go, it does go by quite quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It did zoom by, um, and that's why I think for it to develop more depth, I think it needed to be longer, and for their romance to be a bit more kind of to and fro. Um, it's it's not the notebook, is it? Like, let's just put it like that. It's not um, going to go down in the annals of of romantic films of the century. Um, but yeah, think, <laughs> I'm not really sure it knows what sort of film it is, whether it's a rom com or whether it's a sports film. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think maybe that's. I think that's maybe where I stand. I mean, I still, I still hold it as like a tradition where every year I will kind of put it on the telly. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's like, yeah, of course it's not like a Oscar, <laughs> Oscar, like worthy film. No, but I know. it's a good way. It's a good way every, every year to sort of pass, uh, you know, pass an hour and a half of my time. No, I agree. It's, it's one of those things that like love actually at Christmas, it kind of has to be done, I suppose. Um, <laughs> you know, while you're wrapping presents or whatever, getting ready for setting up camp at Wimbledon. But yeah, listeners, let us know your thoughts because, um, you know, we'd love for you to all go and watch it if you haven't already, or if you have watched it, but many years ago, maybe, you know, go back to it and, and have it, you know, give it another go and, and let us know your thoughts because, um, you know, do you agree with kind of our analysis 
of the film um <laughs> and as we said at the beginning like this is it's not a serious film and it shouldn't be taken as such i suppose it is just a bit of fun yeah and if you uh want to also as i said we live tweeted we watched this together didn't we kim um we watched this virtually together uh, on tuesday evening and live tweeted it um on our twitter account so if you want to go and have a look at our kind of thoughts as we were watching the film uh, you can do so um on our twitter feed at passing shot pod um but yeah i think kind of i think this kind of sums it up for this this episode i think my final kind of my final two words on the film is uh, good good enough i think that's the that's about as glowing praise as i think i could give it kim good enough oh well i mean would that be kind of i'm just trying to think of a tennis player who that would be the equivalent of would it be kind <laughs> of a I don't want to sound too harsh, but someone who just kind of routinely gets to the quarterfinals of a slam, but never goes any further. It's a Gilles Simon. It's a Gilles Simon <laughs> sort of movie. Oh, poor uh, Gilles. Oh. That's the tennis ranking I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it. Um, okay. So Gilles Simon so... of tennis films. There we go. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, listeners, let us know. Let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, uh, remember to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice whether that's apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher wherever you listen to us make sure you click that subscribe button and if you are listening to us on apple Podcasts and you are enjoying the content make sure to leave us a rating and comment and if you don't already then um you can follow us on social media on twitter instagram and facebook at passing shot pod uh do get in touch and you can also get in touch via email passingshotpod at gmail.com uh, we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on the film and, and everything that's going on in the tennis world and also let us know what our next film should be we'd like to be kind of lending the passing shot uh kind of vibes to other films so <laughs> i know there's a few out there but maybe give us your thoughts maybe there's some that we don't know um it's got to yeah. be tennis related obviously um yeah. i don't think we're going to branch out to regular films but yeah <laughs> let us know get in touch we'd love to hear from you yeah, let us know what what film should we uh, pass our kind of judgment on next. And uh, yeah, as as Kim said, you can do that on our social media uh, or on email as well. Um, but just to let you know, uh, our upcoming schedule. Um, this, of course, uh, is part of our sort of Wimbledon content. I know you know other people are are doing their own thing. Uh, we also have our wimbledon content as well to kind of keep you keep you busy whilst there's no live tennis uh strictly speaking kind of going on um and as part of that just to kind of let you know we do have some exciting podcasts coming up so we hope to bring you uh in next week uh midweek is our interview uh with a two-time grand slam champion and the a ladies doubles finalist actually from last year at wimbledon uh, we're going to be in conversation with gabby dabrowski um on the podcast so look out for that one uh we hope to put it up yeah midweek uh next week and then we'll be back next sunday as well we're going to be doing a most dramatic moments uh list from the last decade at wimbledon and i'm sure that's not going to be you're not going to want to miss that either so um yeah i hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode um, of the film club first episode of the film club and uh, yeah we'll be, be we'll be back again we we'll hope you're safe we we'll hope you're well and uh, we we'll hope you're coping without no no live Wimbledon tennis um, and uh, yeah we'll be back we'll be back again shortly so 
Joel, is is Peter Colt's uh, victory going to be our, our number one most dramatic moment on our next list? <laughs> well, I think it would be, but it was more than a decade ago. So, uh, oh damn! I mean, I, I don't thought think it, Pete, I don't think it Pete, counts. Well, Peter Colt or Federer Nadal? I mean, the choice is is quite <laughs> difficult there. 